Hi, and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I am your host, surprisingly named Katie Halper. It is April 20th, otherwise known as 420, and I'm here in the studio as usual with Reggie Johnson on the engineering equipment. Hello. And hi, Reggie. How's it going? I'm all right. Happy 420. Happy 420 to you. And I'm also here with my side piece. I can call you that, right? Side piece? Right? Sidecar, sidekick, side piece. Yeah, whatever. It's totally inappropriate. Jesus is my side piece. He's my side piece, too. That's why we're connected. (laughs) With Gabe Pacheco, hilarious comedian, who has his own show every Wednesday. You're right. It is Wednesday. It is my favorite day of the week because every Wednesday, hump day, that's right, save the whales, hump day. Every Wednesday, I get to come here. I have the privilege of being on the Katie Halper Show as the sidekick slash side piece. I get to see Reggie Johnson. What's up, Reggie? Hey there, Gabe. And then at 10 p.m., I get to go to Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, for my weekly stand-up showcase, Funhouse Comedy, which I co-host with the wonderful Samir Nassim. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Wednesday's the best, man. It's the best. And, and Gabe, you guys can't see him, unfortunately, because we're not filming yet. But we're going to start filming this show. Why not, right? I feel like right now I look as though if Spud McKenzie wasn't a pit bull but was, in fact, a human being. I don't know who that is. That it was. Wow, uh, really? Yeah, who was that? I never know these, like, pop references. Hey, it was, a pop, it was a huge pop reference back in the 1980s. Any, any listener who knows who Spud McKenzie is, if you can just shoot a photo of that, uh, that mascot to Katie Halper's uh, Twitter account, that would be fantastic. Yes, so she can see sure, exactly who it is that we're talking about. We are going to have such a great show today. It's kind of not even funny. Why is that, Katie? Why is this show going to be so amazing? Well, we're going to be talking to um, Josh Fox, and you may have heard of Josh Fox. Oh, yeah. Right? He did the film Gasland. Oh, that's an award-winning... Oscar-nominated, Sundance um, award-winning film. He's also a Bernie Sanders surrogate, and his film, his new film, How to Let Go of the World and Love All the Things Climate Can't Change. Uh, I know why the... The Jailed Bird Sings, just kidding, I'm adding some more words to it, uh, is opening tonight at IFC. And so he's going to be talking to us about that. And we'll also be talking to some other surprise guests. And we'll t- keep you informed about that. We want to keep you on. I'm on the edge of my seat right exactly, now, Exactly, that was the point, yeah. I'm sitting here with bated breath. I don't know who the surprise guests are. I know. And no you're one sitting, tells me you're anything right about it. Him. <gasps> what? We are speaking with and joined by none other than Jonathan Clark, a Long Island attorney who endorsed Bernie Sanders and is running for Steve Israel's Long Island congressional seat. Mm. And not only that, which is exciting in itself, right? Yeah. I mean, very exciting. But he filed a lawsuit uh, regarding New York fraud. Do you know what I love? Lawsuits. And uh, I love hearing about New York fraud. So this is gonna be this is gonna be fantastic for me. There's so much already to talk about. Is there? T- I I don't know what's going on with fraud in New York right now. Well, uh, yeah. Esquire counsel counselor. Yes, I actually just ran up from Adam Street in wool suit, so I'm a little sweating over here. No good. So. We like politicians who sweat. We don't <laughs> like them to be too. We like manicured. to know that you're working hard. Yeah, well, I'm definitely working hard. Well, I'm running hard. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so basically the, the lawsuit is about uh, the hundreds of thousands of people throughout New York State who have been purged from the voter rolls inexplicably. And 
what, what we're trying to do with this lawsuit is sort of a modest uh, thing that we're asking for because we want something that's achievable. Uh, right now, if you cast what's called uh, an affidavit ballot or some people call it a provisional ballot, uh, the Board of Elections will take that provisional ballot and match it up against a voter roll. And if it's not on a voter roll, they're going to just throw it in the garbage. So they're going to do this behind a closed door and without any due process to the voter. What we're asking the judge to do is to take that ballot and have the Board of Elections come into open court and explain why that ballot should not be counted, which is the complete opposite of what they do now, which just the Board of Elections does an administrative process. So we, we figure if you're going to be deprived of your right to vote, you should be at least given due process and not just some sort of administrative thing behind closed doors that you'll never see. Right. Due process for disenfranchisement is very important. I think that's part – wasn't that in the Constitution? No uh, disenfranchisement without due process is I <laughs> Yeah, in front of a judge. Exactly. In front of yeah. a judge. So, uh, so my question then, uh, is this – you're talking about um, people who are part of the Democratic Party who are being – whose votes have been uh, uh, invalidated or they were somehow why were they taken off the registration rolls I don't I don't understand how this works you know that's that's what we want to know too we, w we want to know why uh, especially in Brooklyn I mean you guys were hit the hardest with this because uh, all throughout New York State every county there's about 60 some odd of them uh, Democratic enrollment was up but in, for some reason Brooklyn Democratic enrollment was down. You know, I, I was just running down the street, and I think I saw a lot of Democrats, so I, I myself am a little bit surprised about that. Um, the head of the Board of Elections, Michael Ryan, said that basically a lot of people have died. So there might have been a plague that hit Brooklyn. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard about it. Like 120,000 people died in Brooklyn. It could be. Or went missing. Right. I, I, yeah. I, they could have been. Uh, it was the day before 420, so maybe they were, like, preparing and... <laughs> got high and forgot to, I don't know. To register themselves in any way, shape, or form. Right. right. Okay. The, the other thing that's interesting that Michael Ryan said, he said that the Board of Elections fell behind uh, because there was an election in November. So uh, the actual process of having an election uh, sort of throws the Board of Elections out of whack. So I, I'd, You'd I, think that that would have primed the pump and got them ready, like greased the wheels, got them ready, like they'd already had the experience of running an election, so they would have been seasoned Right, you would think that, or it's just sort of an odd excuse. It's sort of like, I'm a police officer, I couldn't arrest somebody because I just made an arrest. And, right, you know, they need some some downtime. Yeah, they need a, another couple of years between elections instead of having all these pesky primaries. Right, so annoying. And of course, uh, we didn't mention this, but you guys may know this, that Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump both uh, won New York's primary last night. Uh, did you guys hear that? Do we have an applause? <sighs> exactly, yeah. So wait, my question about this, though, is that if we are in fact going to have um, the, the more votes perhaps uh, recognized, mm. then is that primary valid or is this sort of what is it symbolic that we would show right, these voters? The, right. it, like, let's say 120,000 votes are acknowledged. Um, do the primary candidates who would have gotten those votes get those votes retroactively? Right. So we're, we're in territory right now, you know, that, that's sort of uncharted because in, in within the United States, we have Bush v. Gore, and that's sort of the process. You can't unring a bell. You're not going to overdo uh, overturn an election, an election. But, I mean, we've seen throughout the country and, and Nevada and elsewhere that Bernie Sanders has picked up votes through different means. I mean, different dele uh, more delegates through different means. So we're hoping that, that in this election that at least uh, the provisional ballots will be counted, and he can, he can pick up some percentage on that. Uh, you know, uh, 
I think the number was about seven to ten percent of Democratic voters were purged in Brooklyn. Seven to ten percent could swing this election, so that that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, and I actually know two uh, two people whose votes were not counted. So, yeah, yeah. it's. Cr- I mean, do we have to call in Jimmy Carter? Do you think to I, monitor these elections in New York? I, that, that's the thing, you know, New York. Uh, for for the longest time has, has had horrible, horrible voter laws, but they're not really brought to national attention like they are now, simply because the primaries don't really matter here. And, you know, in 2012, uh, we had the sixth worst turnout in New York State. So there's 44 states that did better than us in 2012 presidential elections. So obviously people don't think their vote counts, and they're very apathetic about it, and this situation just made it worse. And, you know, the reality is we have a closed primary system, and I, I, I don't know if everybody listening knows what that is, but it's based... No, yeah. I, you know what I was thinking we could do? Maybe let's have a segment with you here that's like, explain it to me as if I knew nothing, as if I were an alien who just landed. I just got here. I have no idea what... What a closed primary is, what delegates are. I mean, you don't have to go back too far. We know what presidents are, but mo- I feel like, honestly, most people don't really understand what's going on when they hear a lot of these terms, so... Right, okay, so... Uh, the, the election system... In Did I New- tell you that our audience, our biggest audience, uh, is our kindergartners? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm, good, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm, just I'm a just politician, kidding. so just they, you know, they did an analysis oh, yeah. of speeches, and, and the, the smaller, the less syllables you have, the, the more people oh, like right. you. Oh, I remember so, reading that. Yeah. You know, I'll try to yeah. be monosyllabic. You use yeah. the word, you say huge. And, uh, you, yeah. Good, or good. good. Even yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. uh, so basically, New York is what's called a closed primary system, where you have to be registered in a party to vote for the candidate of your choice, which in itself isn't terrible. Uh, you know, I, I, honestly, an open primary system is more fair. But what makes New York's closed primary system worse than other states, and we absolutely have the worst uh, version of this, is that you have to make your choice eight months in advance that you're going to be voting in a Democratic or Republican primary. Uh, they, they call these anti-party rating statutes, which is the idea behind it is if you're a Republican and you want the weak Democratic candidate to win, you go register as a Democrat, go vote in their primary, and put their bad candidate up. That, that's the reasoning behind these laws. But the truth of it is, it, one, it makes sure that there's low voter turnout. And the second part to that is, if you have an, a, an entrenched Democratic candidate who just deals with the party and doesn't really want to help anybody, he only has to motivate a very small percentage of the base to get out to vote for him or her. Like a boss tweed. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. They, they call it anti-party rating. So, yeah, nobody wants the party to be taken over by Republicans. That sounds horrible. But it, what it really should be called is the Establishment Candidate Protection Program. And I like that. The Establishment Candidate Protection Law. I don't know. Stat- what do you, program, program sounds good. Program it, sounds sounds good. Like, yeah. uh, it sounds like Witness Protection yeah, Program. Exactly. For, right. Right. Yeah, that one I made up on the spot. So no, I like that. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Historic moment. Historic yeah. moment. The Establishment Candidate uh, party protection yes. program. Yeah, party protection program. Sounds more fun if you say party protection program. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that that that's what we have here, and that that's the reason we have these closed primary systems. Then um, when you take into consideration, we we purge voters. So if you haven't voted in a couple of years, the uh, board of elections are just going to throw you off the rolls. Uh, the reasoning behind that one, that one might make a little bit more sense because you don't want people that are 175 years old still. Don't on the be rolls. ageist. No, I, I, yeah, I like people that are 175. <laughs> Me too. They're so friends. wise. They're so sage. Yeah. <laughs> they are. But you think there's a way that they could do? I mean, the IRS can always find you and knows exactly who you are. Uh, we pay bills all the time. Isn't there some way that they could 
figure out whether someone vote, registered to vote is 160 or if they've died or not. Like with that seems like it's not too hard a thing to do with technology. Right. You know, th- th- you would think so. You would think that, well, maybe we, we should kick this uh, two election cycle rule into place after 75 years old or something to that effect. But, you know, you know you, uh, the thing about the Board of Elections, it, it's run by, they have, for each Democrat you hire, you also have to hire a Republican, so it stays equal on the Board of Elections. And the other thing is the Board of Elections doesn't actually do anything, so you basically pay your friends back by giving them a job at the Board of Elections for $85,000, $90,000 a year and let them sit there making up arbitrary rules. Well, oh, this sounds a little bit more like the mob. Yeah, I know. It sounds great, like you get a job at the docks and you don't have to do much. Yeah. Actually, your job at the Board of Elections usually is to campaign. So uh, it's, it's sort of like a wing of the party paid for by taxpayer money. Sounds awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. So it's like your street team. Like if you're a comedy club and you've got a street team that hands out flyers. Barkers. Like it's a barker for the, for the party? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's exactly what they do. And were you surprised by the results of last night's, of yesterday's election? No, absolutely not. I, I knew in the, the closed primary system that eight months ago uh, when Bernie Sanders wasn't on the radar of most people that uh, it, it's just he wasn't going to get the vote that he wanted. Uh, that's the other thing in New York. Uh, Democratic Party is probably the most enrolled, but right after that are people that are unaffiliated. So a third of the people don't have a party. And, I mean, that, that, that really is a third of the vote. There you go. Besides just the purging, uh, the independence, the, you know, New York penalizes you for being independent. Right. That, that we don't like independent thinkers, apparently. No, absolutely not. No, stick with the team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Group think. Herd, herd mentality. Yeah, get in a lane. Find a lane. Pick a lane. Choose it. Stay and stay in it. Who's stay your leader? Lane. Make a banner. Well, um, it's interesting because uh, what's fascinating is that people who are actually Hillary supporters and have endorsed her are still... They're not talking so much about open versus closed primaries, but they are talking about these irregularities, Right. Right. So you have various politicians who have supported Hillary, and a lot of Hillary's defenders online, at least in the, on the Twitters, are kind of making fun of people for caring about this. They're, they're saying we're being hysterical, we're being alarmist. But then you have people coming out, and a lot of whom have endorsed Hillary. So it's hard to spin this as a kind of politically motivated conspiracy theory. Right. Well, you know, that's that's the other thing. I mean, um, when, when in the, within the lawsuit on this, we're trying to stay nonpartisan and because I know that that does throw people off. But and at this point, we don't even really know what happened with these voters. And we don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I've heard conspiracy theories that Bertie's uh, what's called van voter identification network was hacked and people are showing up on that. I, I mean, there's there are um, some reasons on Long Island, the, the, the victims of Superstorm Sandy. Um, they were forced to vote through affidavit ballot, and uh, Governor Cuomo allowed them to do that. And then once they voted through the affidavit ballot, they were knocked off the voter rolls. So a lot of those people now have, have been victimized twice by the storm. So Wow. Yeah. And Governor Cuomo. And Governor Cuomo. Who's well, you know, Governor Cuomo just gave Hillary a huge endorsement. Uh, he called her progressive. And who is better equipped to make that endorsement <laughs> than Governor Cuomo? A beacon. For progressives. Shining example. Yeah, exactly. Shining example. I keep hearing that, you know, both candidates are dishonest. Both candidates are represented by, have lobbyists influencing them. Super uh, PACs. Super PACs. Both candidates smear. Both candidates do this, that, the other. And it's just so not true. It's not true. In fact, I want to launch a series called How to Be a Better Shill. <laughs> a more effective <laughs> shill. Here's the thing. 
I'm not endorsing anyone because we're on WBAI. We're fair and balanced. We're fair and balanced. <laughs> I would say that there's a bit of a uh, media bias towards one of the candidates mm. whose name rhymes with Shillery. Weird. I That just popped into my head. Um, and uh, I think that you can say, if I were defend, if I were hypothetically defending Hillary Clinton, I wouldn't say, oh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton are equally smearing, equally smearish. Um, I wouldn't say they're equally compromised. But I would say, because I think this has some credibility, I would say maybe, well, the Clintons get a lot of stuff done, and to do that you have to compromise. Because mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. has some honesty to it. Yeah, and they, then, they cross the aisle yeah, for exactly. bipartisan sure. right. uh, policies right. and, and programs, right. exactly. projects. Exactly, whatevs. Um, I can't stand the idea, though. I, I always hate false equivalency arguments because they're almost never accurate. You know, like Fox News and MSNBC. Uh, although MSNBC is kind of getting pretty... Well, it's another discussion. Right. But um, I don't know if you heard about this, but... Uh, Politico had an article about some of the reasons that they thought that Bernie didn't do as well as expected. And one of the reasons was because um, Paul Song, I don't know if you heard about this, Dr. Paul Song, did, he was this, he's this really amazing doctor who w- spoke at the Washington uh, Square Park rally last week. I was actually there. And he said something about BS. He's like, enough with the BS. If people tell you the status quo is okay, that's BS. But he didn't use BS. He used the real words. And he did mention um, corporate whores. Mm -hmm. And I heard that. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, he went there. He really went there. But I didn't think, wow, he went there like sexism or, wow, he went there, he just called Hillary that. Because his speech was very clearly respectful of Hillary. Um he was talking about people who are in the pockets. He of was talking about Congress, corpor- yes. actually, and what's and it's so funny because when he said corporate whores, right? So all these people, these professionals who work for Hillary Clinton and David Brock and Blue Nation Review, Peter Dow, Dowism. You know, we talk about the Dowist way, mm-hmm. the uh, the smear of the, the smear of the day. You want some smear with that bagel? <laughs> um, they attacked him, and this woman Melissa McEwen attacked him for his misogyny and how he had to apologize to Hillary Clinton. In headlines, lots of headlines are calling, saying that he said the word whore, not whores. And of course, that's really convenient to make it singular and not plural because it's hard to pretend that someone's calling Hillary Clinton Mm. a whores. Mm -hmm. So there's so much Orwellian language games, so many uh, Orwellian language games. And uh, that's one example. The other thing is that the tone stuff, it just, I'm sorry, we don't have the same thing on the Bernie side. Uh, someone apparently, uh, uh, an aide to Clinton told a reporter, Gawker has this story, that someone said F-U blank blank Bernie. Can you imagine if someone had said that about Hillary Clinton? Like the resignations that would be demanded, even if they didn't know who the person was, they would ask. I'm sure they would demand her to disavow that. Um, so I, I want to start something where we do uh, an, an apology, where we demand an apology of the week uh-huh. of the of the of Clinton surrogates, and I'm not sure who to go with. I think let's start with. Should we start with a big one? Um, Hakeem Jeffries. You know. Yes. Okay. I, I hope that this isn't a, con- you know, you may see him at a, like a dinner party 
for your Oh, no, no, no. The, the party absolutely despises me, so. Oh, good. There's okay. no chance I'll run into anybody. Okay. So Hakeem Jeffries is a congressman, and he called Bernie Sanders a gun-loving socialist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like, on, on behalf of uh, all people Sounds in the like world, Fidel Castro. Yeah. Yeah. A gun-loving socialist? I mean, which, to us... What what we don't you don't get Gabe he's trying to insult him oh <laughs> um, right clarification um, yeah but I would like Hakeem Jeffries to apologize and I would like the no, I'm not gonna say the Clintons I would like Hillary Clinton to disavow that statement mm-hmm how's that are I, you gonna tell me that saying corporate whores is worse than calling someone specifically a gun loving socialist right because socialist is a trigger word for some people and then. Gun no loving. pun intended. Yeah. Trigger word. Oh snap! Look at that. Didn't snap. even think about that. And can you tell us? So that's our that's our uh, apology demand of the day. We're gonna have a sound effect. That's like you thank should you. hashtag what, that. I know, right? Or what should it be tone tone something like a civility check of the day? Like a tone check. Tone, tone check. check. Yeah, tone check. Yeah, tone check is or more. Or Clintonian. better. Clintonian. We'll figure it out. We'll put it. We're gonna do a hashtag for it. But um, what about? Tell us why you feel the burn, and tell us if there's any possibility that Bernie could win. I, I mean, the reason that I, I, I endorse Bernie and this, the reason that I started to run for Congress is just because uh, politics is so full of corruption. And, you know, you, you take out his economic theories, and some people disagree on the tax system. But, you know, th those are numbers, and that can be figured out at a later date. But the, the important thing is just... The honesty and the integrity when it comes to fighting the just the corrupt systems that we have, whether it's the uh, the corrupt finance systems that we have, uh, campaign finance systems, or the actual corrupt campaign laws, or any of this stuff. It's just you you can't possibly hear what Bernie Sanders says and want to vote for anyone else that's up there right now. So I, I mean, for me, I, I've been saying I've been in politics for only about four years now. And I've been saying similar things and been ostracized for it. So when someone like Bernie Sanders came along and he was just this galvanizing force that gave everybody the courage to finally say the things that they really believed and to stand up to entrenched Democratic Party hacks, uh, I just I, I just felt motivated to run. That's awesome. Yeah. Congressman, Congressman, member of yeah. Congress, please. <laughs> one of the corporate, one of the non-corporate whores. Yeah, well, I... I would say not even a whores. Well, I'm not there yet, but I mean, if... if when I get there, I, right? Yeah. If all turns, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you got the Katie Halper show uh, bump. All right. So things are really looking good. Yeah. We can't officially formally endorse, but you got. Don't worry. Just being here. Um, you know, speaking of entrenched interests, did you guys see this um, this article going around on Medium? That's called "On Becoming Anti Bernie." It's huge. It like it's been shared. It's the third most popular. Katie, tell me all about it because it, it showed up on my Facebook right. feed uh, the morning of the primaries. It's written by a woman named Robin Alperstein, and it's called On Becoming Anti-Bernie. And it says, I started out liking Bernie Sanders, though I leaned slightly toward Hillary Clinton. Yet I've come to the point where I can barely stand his face, and I just want to stop jabbing his finger as he brays the same slogans in every single venue over and over. How did I get to this point, especially as someone who, is, who had reservations about Clinton and who is thrilled that Sanders has been able to unlock a thirst for liberal policy within the electorate in a way that I haven't seen in my adult life and in a way that I hope may change the landscape of what is possible? Well, then she takes 43 minutes or 42 minutes, according to Medium, which, which gives you a time estimate of how long it takes for you to read something. 
She goes through it and uh, makes a bunch of uh, interesting arguments. And one of my favorite ones is that he pushed his wife. She, she says that he literally pushed his wife. There's video of them standing at a podium, and he, like, gestures and t- maybe taps her. But you're an attorney. I think that's liable. That, yeah, that, that is. Well, then you have to go on to the other side of it and find out whether he had an intention to do harm when he, when he touched her. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so the, right. this, this one, it's a very complicated case. All right. All right, Robin Alperstein, you're safe this time. <laughs> but next time you commit libel, which falls under defamation, right? Yeah, but the unfortunate, well, no, the fortunate thing in the media you should be happy about that is that you have uh, First Amendment protection under uh, Time Sullivan standard from the, the uh, Supreme Court. So basically you'd have to show malicious intent. And I, I don't think you'd have it in this case. Well, well, maybe you would. It's unbecoming anti-Sanders, anti-Bernie. I mean, okay, there's a b- bunch of different things that are problematic about it. Um, she talks about his, fa- his becoming red-faced. She talks about his voice, that he doesn't seem to have an inside voice. Can you imagine if we talked about the color of, of Hillary's skin and the tone of her voice? Oh, tone? Tone checking? Tone check, tone check. And she has an entire section of her article which is listed as temperament, like it's a subsection, bold letters. Um, Also, I like the way she brings up that he literally pushes his wife, because if we want to make this election about the relationship between the candidate and his or her spouse, then let's do that. Bill has never, ever done anything. He's uh, a mensch. As close. Even remotely no. <laughs> similar to or worse than pushing no, not his wife. A not gentleman's gentleman. He is, exactly. And, you know, the, all the myths about Bernie, he has no foreign policy experience, even though that's not true. Hillary has a lot. She does. But it, it, it's experience doing things that I think are wrong. Um, so that is a form of experience. And uh, she calls him lazy. In the same article that she's saying that Sanders uh, smears Clinton, she calls him lazy. Uh, crotchety. Testy and sarcastic. So let's, uh, you want to talk about affect and demeanor? Fine, we'll do that. Okay. But here's the, my favorite part. Uh, do you know what this woman does? Do you know who she is? She's a lawyer. She works at Becker Glynn. And uh, these are her specialties. And I'm just reading from her website. Defending witnesses before the SEC in connection with various investigations <laughs> involving credit default swaps, CDOs, and CLOs. Defending several hedge funds and a healthcare company um, in tribune fra- fraudulent conveyance actions. <laughs> Defending a holding company against claims for conspiracy to commit fraud in connection with an alleged pump and dump market manipulation scheme. Defending publici- publicly traded domestic companies against wage and hour class action in New York State Court. Uh, she advised a hedge fund in connection with uh, investigation of Ponzi schemes yeah. and corporate governance issues. Hello. And uh, Hello. this is my favorite, though. She literally, I'm not kidding, she represented, now I get you have to represent your client, right? But she chooses to spend her life representing corporations and hedge funds. And <laughs> she happened to also defend uh, these Chilean aristocrats named Malu Custer Edwards and Mickey Hurley, who were sued for trafficking and abusing their nanny. Uh, who they brought with them to the United States, and the nanny was able to escape. Nice. to contacting <laughs> Safe Horizons. And when asked about it, Albertstein said the claims are completely without merit and will be fully refuted in court, but uh, the Department of Labor did order them to pay back over $5,000 in wages. And um, uh, this is just one of the examples of this socialite couple. But <laughs> I just wanted to give that, so I A don't context. know. Context. Will Bernie Sanders ever recover from a criticism from a hit piece by a woman who represents 
every single thing he's fighting against. She sounds like a character from the movie The Devil's Advocate. Oh, she sounds oh like she God. works <laughs> at the law firm yeah. where Al Pacino right. plays Satan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's you could like the only person who would be worse uh, writing this would be like a literal fat cat, like a cat, an animal that is fat. Like that would be better optics. Um, well, Jonathan Clark, John, do you want me? Should we call you John or Jonathan? Uh, Jonathan Clark is will be on the ballot, but okay. when, when you meet me or you see me on the street, John. See, he's just a regular guy, just like regular Bernie, John. a mensch. Yeah. What's your back? Can I ask you what your ethnic background is? Irish Catholic. So you could be. You know, Bernie may not make it to the presidency, but you could. You could be the Irish Bernie. Irish Bernie, yeah, definitely. That should be your, your motto. Yeah, corned beef instead of matzo or something. Exactly. Boom, I like corned oh my beef God. on rye. Corned beef on rye, how about no this? No problem. Ready? Ready for this? Potato famine latke. Oh, I like that. Those that's not actually good. That sounds like sad. Sad and not a lot of potato <laughs> in that latke. All onion and uh, uh, bread batter, whatever, flour, whatever. That's it's how called. I like my latkes. Yeah, and I how I like my men. Nope, I don't know. There's nowhere to go with that. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. And where can people find you on the internet? I know your. Uh, I have your Twitter here, and your Twitter is vote Clark 2016. And Clark has an E at the end. Absolutely. And uh, any websites? Uh, Clark4Congress.com is my website. Well, thank you so much. And any predictions before you leave? Anything you think could happen, will happen with the with the country, with the presidency? I, I predict that my lawsuit is actually going to have some sort of effect on this election. It's going to buy him a couple of delegates. I, I think that he's going to take Pennsylvania. And he's absolutely yes. going to take California yes. by huge numbers. And so. then what happens? Then we just need some delegates, super delegates to defect? Right. I, I mean, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to try to lobby some of these super delegates and, and get them to feel the burn. How do we lobby them? Yeah. Send them flowers? Fruit? Chocolates. Oh, chocolates? Not fruit baskets. No one likes those. <laughs> Not those breads. Yeah. What do these guys, what do they want? What do the money. superdelegates want? Money. money? Right. Yeah, I'll like send money. them a dollar bill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kickbacks. Yeah, kickbacks. Kickbacks, yeah. basically. Well, um, again, thank you so much for joining us. And keep up the good fight and keep us updated about what's happening with this lawsuit. Yeah, definitely. Actually, could I say just... Uh, yeah, of course. If anybody has found themselves purged from the voter rolls and they had a vote by affidavit ballot or they were turned away or they have a story of how... Uh, they had to wait more than a couple hours to see a judge to actually allow them to vote. Uh, then please uh, contact Election Justice USA. Uh, and through that, they can create what's called an affidavit that I can submit to court. So I'm, I'm looking for as many stories as possible so that this can have some sort of impact on the judge. Because uh, this federal judge that I went before, um, she said that it's not too much of a burden to ask people to go three or four hours to go see a judge to get a court order. And I told her there's a lot of people that are working and they, they don't have cars to actually try to see a judge, and this is going to disproportionately affect poor people, but it didn't seem but to really register. Isn't that kind of the point, let's be honest? I mean, in a way, right? I, I feel like this is a kind of a modern-day poll tax. No, it, it absolutely is. And and the worst part about it is the judge actually believed what she was saying. I, I mean, she was, she's a nice woman, but, you know, in, in, in her world, where she comes from, when you get into your Volvo, it's no real trouble to right. go down there and pay the babysitter an extra right. or the, the nanny an extra couple hours right. right she's not i mean she doesn't have a kidnap nanny like uh the client <laughs> no. of robin Al alperstein but yeah i mean it's just and, and upstate they changed the time to noon right why i don't know what you mean what do you mean oh noon? sorry they opened open the polls upstate Ah, uh, so you couldn't go early before school. You couldn't go uh, at the beginning of the day before work. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So if you work, if you're, you know, if you don't work, it's, if you're like a socialite, you're fine. 
Yeah, that's a big demographic upstate for yeah. Bernie. Can you give us the name one more time of where people should contact? Uh, Election Justice USA. Uh, that that's uh, they were the, the the organization that tried to uh, help in Arizona when all the the irregularities happened there. They contacted my firm to see if they could do something preemptively in New York. Uh, unfortunately, we we got something in, but it, the judge wouldn't hear it. And now they're going to try to go to Pennsylvania and see if they can do something there before disaster happens there. Okay, so great. So should we go to Pennsylvania? Should we should we do pre pre planning, like event? What is it? Event planning? Yeah, if pre events. What pre production? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, let's set up. Mm-hmm. Event advance advance. That's what it's group. called. The vanguard. Advance, the spearhead. Ad, well, that too. But I mean, it's literally a job. It's like a. It's like. I'm working Scouting. for this campaign, Advance. The Advance Group? That sounds more yeah. like a, uh, a corporate thing that Hillary would have set up there. To How could you say that? They're both, they're both corporate. <laughs> they both smear people. They both compare Jesse Jackson to Barack Obama. They both publish pictures of Barack Obama with a turban on his head. <laughs> they both remind people of RFK's assassination. They just both have hot sauce people. in their bags. Oh, my God. Uh, so much hot sauce. But only one, one has a funny. nice brown suit. Um, by the way, can I just read you guys... One really short, really funny thing to show you how tense it's gotten online. Um, This is a comment that someone made when I posted a meme of Hillary Clinton. The meme shows her face and it says that face you make when hot sauce explodes in your purse and gets all over your mixtape and Newports. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Reg. You really like that, right? And um, someone responded to this on Facebook. It was basically an expose in which the person on Facebook accused me of not knowing what that this woman, that Hillary Clinton, had a documented history of liking hot sauce. Uh-huh. And she keeps Serrano chilies. Uh, she used to keep them in a garden in the White House. Right. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's like as if that's the takeaway that I was, I was like, I have substantive things to criticize her for, but the hot sauce thing you shouldn't be wasting your time on. Right. So that was just a little. That was a little. Uh, well, it's it's verifiable proof that she had hot sauce during the time of the Benghazi happening. Oh my God! Exactly. Yeah. So exactly, she was being negligent. Thank you so yeah. much again, Jonathan Clark. Thank you for coming. So we are. You know, Gabe, what do you think of the elections? What do you think of purging? What do you think of of the the argument that you were talking about dads talking about their daughters? Oh, what I think. I mean, I just think it's interesting. Everyone's voting emotionally. We all do that. We all want to project uh, our own feelings and our in our our what we want and our hopes for the future. And I hear I hear some guys say, "I really want um, Hillary to win because I have a five year old daughter, and I want uh, her to have that role model." And I think I think it's great to have uh, role models for your daughter. I just was wondering if that's the most positive one you could have. I mean, aren't there? Aren't there? Uh, it's not like we're bereft of uh, Ava Braun. Uh, <laughs> we you, have her. You went. You went left. I was uh, going to go. Yeah. I was. Gonna I mean, go. I went right. Really. You, you did. I, I was thinking. Well, there's like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg who could be like a great role model. There's a Harriet Tubman that's going to be on the twenty dollar bill. That's a role model. Dolores Huerta. There's uh, Helen Keller. Oh, yeah. Emma Goldman. Helen Keller, real big time hero. You know, not just blind and and deaf and mute, but a socialist. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, there are tons of powerful women out there and in, in, uh, great legacies they've had. There's Mitzi Shore from the Comedy Store. I People mean, you could have your daughter. People re- may not know what that is. They'll, you know what? Anybody who loves comedy knows exactly who Mitzi Shore is. Well, there, people in this um, <laughs> who are familiar with the airways of WBAI knows of a person named of Angela Davis and. 
Nina Simone and and uh, Dorothy Height. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. Okay. Yeah, those yeah. are good ones. Jane Goodall. Barbara Jordan. Keep them coming. Uh, let me see. The one that was running for president, uh, Shirley, Shirley, Shirley Chisholm. Chisholm. Yes, that was sir. Shirley Chisholm. Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie Lou Hamer. We can, I, we can. Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Ida B. Terrible. Sorry, I couldn't. Oh. Ida B. Wells. I'd be, Ida B. Good. Mm. Um, we could go international. That's right. Uh, what was the name of the uh, the the Afghani woman that had? Oh, acid. Pakistani woman? Pakistani, I'm uh, Not acid, but a gunshot to it was the head. A gun- Malala. Malala. I knew it was something. Malala. Malala. I knew it was something like that. But there are, like sadly, that. there are Afghanistan Afghanistan incidents of acid flo- uh, throwing. So we just gave you a little whirlwind tour of all the women that you could you could support. And um, we are now joined. Right now, now? Okay, we are so excited because we have none other than Josh Fox joining us. And Josh Fox... Are you live at the movie theater? I am. I'm, well, I'm outside the movie theater. Right. Third Street and 6th Avenue at the IFC Center on noisy 6th Avenue. No, it's um, great. We like the ambient yeah. sound. It it's gives exciting. us a lot of... Yeah, and, and of course, Josh's movie uh, is How to Let Go of the World and Love All the Things Climate Can't Change. And Josh right. is the director of the Oscar-nominated documentary uh, Gasland. And yep. he's also feeling the burn... So That's we right. thought it'd be great to talk to Josh on this uh, at this historic moment where we just had an election in New York and when his film, more importantly probably, when his film is uh, opening at the IFC. So yeah, Josh, tonight's the opening night. This is the way we planned it so that we would be here before the New York primary and that um, you know we could uh, continue whatever happened at the primary, uh, win or lose, um, at the theater. So that's uh, and I will be at the theater tonight, tomorrow night, and through the weekend. Um, at the 7 p.m. showings and at the 4 p.m. showings on Saturday and Sunday because it's so important, I think, right now that we have a discussion about climate change uh, in New York City and a discussion about the political revolution in New York City, um, you know, just days after the primary. So, I, you know, I invite everybody to come down. We have an amazing set of guest hosts tonight. Uh, James Cromwell from the movie Ooh, Babe, who's quite do. an amazing. He's quite an amazing Babe, activist himself, Babe. fighting pipelines and power plants in upstate New York. Tomorrow, uh, Susan Sarandon wow. is coming in to do a discussion with me. Um, Friday night, we have Kate Hudson from Riverkeeper and members of the uh, of the subjects from the film. Um, Saturday, uh, inc- another star-studded lineup: Lauren Singer, who is the um, Trash for Tossers. She is the person who has um, uh, generated only one mason jar worth of garbage in the last two years. That's like my uh, hourly rate. Right. It's your your hourly rate. And then in the evening, Dr. Dr. Benjamin Barber, uh, who wrote the great book, Jihad vs. McWorld. And then on Sunday, Nellie McKay, uh, the great singer, and uh, Jim McKay who is a terrific uh, film director, and Morgan Janess, uh, who is a, an incredible uh, literary and dramaturg, a dramaturg uh, figure. So, listen, uh, come on down to the IFC Center because it's going to be an incredible series of discussions this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and the film has gotten great reviews. It looks really all great. Right. You travel all around the world, right? And yeah, yeah. The film goes to 12, uh, 12 countries on six continents. 
So all the continents where there are people, uh, we skipped Antarctica. Oh, one. wow. Well, that's where we follow up. Gabe, Gabe, my co-host, I'm here with Gabe Pacheco and Reggie Johnson. You just gave us a mission. The Katie Halper yeah. Show goes to Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to see WBAI broadcasting from uh, the South Pole. You know what? That, that, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, it's probably more likely that um, we resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict tomorrow than that <laughs> happening, but who, who knows? Right. Um, and as someone who's feeling the burn, what are you feeling right now? Well, obviously, I think everyone is extremely upset and disappointed. Um, I think there's a disappointment in that, you know, there, was, there weren't more votes, and I think that there's a great deal of anger that the system itself um, was aligned in a way against... Um, any kind of can uh, insurgency candidacy like Bernie Sanders. I think that Hillary Clinton learned from losing to Barack Obama in 2008 that she should find a way that the system girds itself against any candidate that everyone might ha actually like. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, right. people have sort of fallen in love with Bernie Sanders in the same way as I remember in yes, 2008, people totally. fell in love with Barack Obama. And in a way, you know, Hillary is kind of the perfect foil for a person like Bernie because she's so established. She's such a, um, a figure for the big banks and, and, and in many ways for fracking. Josh, um, why do you hate women so much? I can't believe you just said that. You're misogyny. Yeah. We can just feel it. It's palpable. Well, I, sorry, I, I, that was me pretending to be one of the people who tell me that I'm an uh, internalized I misogynist. I've internalized Well, I misogyny. don't, you know, I mean, I, I do think it's very, very important that we have more women in politics, without a doubt. Right. Um, you know, uh, unless their name's Sarah Palin. So right. in, in, or Margaret Thatcher, who's dead. You know, but, or Mar you know, right. Well, so in, in many cases, you, you know, p politics overrides, uh, um, you know, the, the, the need to have uh, gender balance. Right. And I think in this case, that's the truth. Like, yeah, if Bernie, they were the Serves the interests of the people, and Hillary is often serving the interests of the big corporations, and that is part of the problem. Uh, and, and of course, the Democratic establishment in New York State showed its might yesterday, um, and showed its might throughout the last six months. You know, we were not able, as New Yorkers, to change our registrations past October 9th. That was six months ago, well before many. New Yorkers even knew who Bernie Sanders was well before any New York many New Yorkers knew that there would be a presidential contest in April. Um, the truth is that that's insane, and that is not democracy. Um, this you know, is what democracy is, doesn't look like. Exactly, and 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 you know to think. Yeah, I mean, we should have same day registration in this country. No right. question. We also had a big problem in that some of our most progressive New Yorkers, I think, a lot of people who would vote for Bernie Sanders, are. Um, I am getting a hug from my manager, John Foster. Um, I'm outside of the, of the theater. It's actually quite amazing. Um, all these people are lining up. It looks like we're oh going to have gosh. a sold-out house tonight. Uh, so and we're, Yeah, it's really, really, we're, we're, it's popping. I'm on the radio, John. Sorry. And so, you know, um, it seems like um, that system was rigged against any kind of insurgency candidacy right. as well. We learned 127,000 voter registrations magically disappeared yesterday. You know what? Um, it's hard yeah. to like keep track of things like that. That's and like a better magic trick than you know uh, David Blaine or whatever. Sure, I don't think even I don't think even David Blaine could make one hundred twenty-seven thousand no. voter registrations disappear. No. But that's what seemed to happen yesterday in New York. You know, so um, it, it, we have a lot of issues to discuss, and I think right now. Um, understand. Oh, uh, what I was talking about was Working Families Party. Working mm. Families Party is 50,000 New Yorkers 
um, all of whom are are, are the are majority uh, majority uh, very progressive voters. I would think those votes skewed enormously for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. They were not included in the process. So our most progressive voters um, are all of our new voters coming in, uh, people who learned of Bernie Sanders in the last six months. All these people were excluded from the process. Now that's a problem, um, and uh, you know I, I have uh, uh, great worries when exit polls are showing forty-eight to fifty-two, right. Bernie to Hillary, and you come out with a twenty-point advantage. Um, that doesn't sound right to me. Right. And uh, and uh, the controller is investigating right. uh, in New York, Scott Stringer. Scott Stringer um, right. You have a call from Bill De Blasio to find out what happened to those hundred twenty-seven thousand voters right. in just Brooklyn alone. Right. And, uh, you know, so there's there's shenanigans. And, right. um, and these, you know, in all fairness, I mean, de Blasio is a Hillary person, right? So it's not oh yeah, just so pe- people. Stringer. Right, right. Both of them are. So people are trying to portray us who are questioning this uh, disenfranchisement as some kind of partisan tax. But actually, people who like Hillary are uh, asking for it, too. Well, to be honest, um, without same-day voter registration, without... A sense that uh, people can participate in the political process who've been turned on to the political process. I mean, how how can we call this democracy? And what really worries me about all this, first of all, it worries me greatly about the climate, because we know we're in in dire, dire shape with the climate, and that's what my film is all about. Um, And that's why we're having these discussions here in New York City nightly at the IFC Center, and we want people to come down for that. But, you know, Hillary's climate plan actually makes climate change worse. When you go towards fracked gas, which is her climate program, um, to, to, to convert our entire energy supply to fracked gas, we make the climate problem worse. We don't make it better, which is sort of the antithesis of having a climate plan to begin right. with. Um, but my, 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 my worry is uh, not just on that issue, but on so many issues progressively, that we have skewed so far away from the values that many people think of when we think of the Democratic Party, that it will splinter the Democratic Party if she continues to say things like Nancy Reagan was a great AIDS activist, right. or uh, fracking is a terrific climate right. plan, or, you know, I went and scolded those big banks and wagged my finger at them as I was, I was taking $225,000. Right. Right. Really, she speech. wagged her finger at the Greenpeace activist that's uh so well yeah i saw that enough. part too right, yeah, yeah i saw that part right. but you know to, to to say like i you know i wag my finger at, at you as right. you hand me uh, a quarter of a million right. dollars yeah, it's crazy so um this is a uh you know uh, this is this is a, a sense of uh political um uh, you know entitlement Mm. and an enforcement on behalf of the Democratic machine in New York State that I think we're not going to hear the end of. People are very, very angry. I've been feeling phone calls all day about uh, not only the shenanigans, which we know about, but also just about the sense that, you know, from the get-go, this primary was meant to exclude people rather than include people, and that as a systemic issue is as angering to folks as it is when you have a major candidate taking this much money from the fossil fuel industry, taking that much money from the banking industry, and so forth. Um, So that's, that, that, that. I mean, look, as a journalist, I want to do that investigation. I want to find out what happened yesterday. I want to investigate what happened in Arizona, uh, where it was obvious that there was clear voter suppression. But, um, so I don't want to talk out of line here, but what I do want to say is that 
what's exciting about all of this is that the political revolution is in full swing as I see people lining up here outside the theater, um, that we're, you know, we're in, in a place where people have been excited by the value proposition of the political revolution, that there's an idea of principles being evoked here, that we are actually working towards something um, that is much bigger than any one political cycle, and that's an exciting thing to see happening. And that's what we're doing as we're doing the movie across the country. Uh, we're doing um, the Let Go and Love tour, which is in support of grassroots groups. Uh, we have Resist Aim that is fighting the AIM pipeline, hosting our screening tonight. We have other screenings being hosted by 350.org. We have screenings hosted by uh, grassroots organizations. So I encourage people to go to howtoletgomovie.com, howtoletgomovie.com, and, and get a part of that excitement. It's very similar to the way we dealt with the fracking movement and the film Gasland, in that we gave the movie directly to the grassroots and said, use this, let's make this happen, let's get our movement on the ground. Um, that's what's happening here with this film. And the issue is the political revolution and climate change. Right. The, the issue is the morality of what it is to be a citizen in a moment when we're being disenfranchised. Right. What is it to be a citizen when your vote doesn't count? What is it to be a citizen when you can't vote? What is All it to be a citizen questions. when you can't, yeah. uh, when you have to swim to get from one place to another <laughs> sure. because you're underwater? Uh, but I just want <laughs> to suggest- That's a bigger climate question. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and Josh, maybe, just maybe, Hillary Clinton has that Leninist perspective where it won't get better until it gets worse. So maybe that's I, really what's happening. That's, that's definitely what's going on. Right? Well, listen, I've got to go into the movie. Okay, Katie, well, thank I'm sorry you. about the snafu. No, with don't the worry. Earlier. Don't even don't thanks be ridiculous. Thanks so much to you, and yeah, thanks so thank much you. to WBAI. You guys are amazing. Yeah, you're, I'm going to go in and watch this film premiere. Great, come and we're tomorrow, gonna come. tomorrow night, we got Susan Sarandon in the house. Uh, Friday, Kate Hudson and Riverkeeper. Uh, you know, great folks showing up. Go to How to Let Go Movie and check it out. Great. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you, Josh Fox, um, whose film is now at the IFC. And thank you so much to Jonathan Clark, John Clark, who's running for Congress. And definitely check him out. And uh, keep uh, documenting all the disenfranchisement that's happening because it's great, a good time. Uh, document <laughs> as much as you can. Thank you for joining me as always, Gabe Pacheco and Reggie Johnson. We will see you next week. And follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud, The Katie Halper Show. Peace. Peace.